This is a Valerie Moss original podcast. Hey everyone, it's Valerie here. Today's show, $14 bottle of rosé in New York, I have a special guest, Rod LaSchult. We originally met when I was working on an audiobook production radio show called Project EF. He was one of my cast of characters. Take a listen. If his wife does die, I hope he never marries again. After all he's been through, he deserves a rest. He was so good, I casted him for another part. Take a listen. Surely, Mr. Hughes, a man of your mental caliber puts no credence in witchcraft. And then we followed each other's socials, and I discovered we have similar interests, like food and drinks. So we got to talking, and here's our interview. Think eat great food from around the world. Think create great memories about travel and a good storyteller. Oh, and he's from Calgary, also like me. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Valerie's Variety Podcast with your host, me, Valerie Moss. This show is about eating, reading, and creating. How these three things influence us every day. And the people that make this happen, isn't it you or me or our friends? Just as a side note, this show was originally recorded in May of 2020. And there's some light swearing, which I do not beep. One thing you'll notice right away from Rod is he loves to tell a quick snippet here and there. Like this one. How do you pronounce your last name? Uh, it's Lachelt, and that's Lachelt. sort of what, yeah. Okay. But if you ask my dad and my granddad, it's Lekult, but kind of a condition of marriage for myself and my brother and all the other cousins was all of, it was all boys, and then all of their wives said, and my wife said, look, we're going to be Lachelt. It's much softer and nicer. I, I like agree it. with all of them. Yeah, yeah they're all right. Much nice. They're all right. Yeah, yeah, of course. And we're from the Alsace-Lorraine region in France, which the border was very contested and it moved all the time. So, you, you know, it's either a German or a French name. So we'll go with that. <laughs> Hello. How are you? I'm good. Good. Nice to um, talk to you over... Other than audio recording back and forth. Yeah, and emails, absolutely. And emails, yeah, so so cool. Well, thanks for um, coming on the show today. It's nice to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. So welcome Rod LaShult to the show. He's a fellow Calgarian. And we are sitting down today to talk to Rod as he's traveled far and wide and became a huge foodie. Fitting nicely into my theme of eat and create with the influences of Amsterdam, all over Canada, a few places in the U.S., Vienna, Salzburg, England, Paris, Spain, Portugal, and Scotland. And I'm sure I could go on. Talk food today. Welcome to the show, Rod. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Basically, we started chatting about food because of your Instagram photos. And then when I got to know you a little more, you 
have traveled so much and have so many influential spots on your map that help you gauge your taste buds, if we could say. Sure. What's been the best food that you've tried and what do you use for measuring? Is it like time of day, the company you're with? Is it where you are, your view, price? Okay. First, I would say that's a good question. Um, it, yeah, it's okay. Well, time of day, uh, absolutely. I can, I, you can have a good breakfast, but it's never going to be outstanding in my mind. Um, and lunch too, but I prefer dinner really. It's okay. evening. It's, that's my favorite meal of the day. I don't eat a lot of breakfast anyways. I mean, maybe that's not entirely true. Oops, sorry. For what? Yeah, breakfast isn't my favorite either. Once in a while. Yeah, exactly. And then it's a treat. But I've never, like, it's it doesn't blow my mind. Um, dinner is great because then it's just longer. It's dark, pr- probably, which I like. And mm-hmm. um, and normally, yeah, you don't get disapproving looks at dinner for ordering cocktails and wine and beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little yeah. More, it's a little more complimentary. Exactly. Yeah. Are you having uh, a drink right now? Uh, yeah. I am. What are you having? This is, uh, <laughs> it's kind of like, it's my quarantine special or isolation special. Or actually, I just got tested, so I'm in quarantine. Um, what the hell? You are? As I mentioned at the top of the show, this was originally aired in May of 2020, when COVID was in full swing in our city, Calgary. We had, uh, our fridge died or the ice maker on our fridge died. And then we just realized it was time for a new fridge because so, we had a bad one. And um, so we ordered a new fridge and they brought it. And then two days later, I got a call from Alberta health saying that uh, the delivery guys had COVID. Oh no. So I got my test today. We'll see. And you're positive. Uh, a positive about what? COVID? No, are you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know yet. Oh. I'm I'm pretty positive I don't have it. Well, we actually think it went through our house as well. Really? Yeah, my husband. Um, since we're, I mean, we're in COVID, so we might as well talk about it and get it out get of the it way. Out of the way. But, yeah. Uh-huh. So my husband um, continued to go into work, and there was nobody else there. So there was like 300 empty desks and yeah. all the floors he works on. Yeah. And because my daughter's home and we're homeschooling and it's busy and whatever. And right. so it's just better for him. But two weeks ago, cause we've quarantined now for two weeks, we all felt horrible for the entire week. Fevers, mm. like just all kinds of weird symptoms that we didn't ever experience before. And then we found out too, that somebody at the building that he works at had tested positive. So they were informing everybody that works there but that was after our two weeks of quarantine yeah now we're another two weeks of quarantine which i mean what does it matter like we're not doing anything anyways yeah exactly i mean i want to go to the garden center but i I, i'll just wait until they let me know that i'm uh i'm negative and then then i'll go to the garden center right exactly so this this isn't it's a bad time um, but like on an individual basis, 
I, I, my wife and I are handling it, and um, it's not terrible. This isn't bad. Like we're pretty lucky to have the things we have, and you know we're doing fine. And living where we live in this like a beautiful city, and in this safe country, like I think I've I'll say I'll go with safe safe country over beautiful city because <laughs> we need a little I bit more. You green. have a lot more to compare it to than I do, but I still think no, we're Calgary's pretty lucky. Great. Right now. It's always the ugliest time and like it's getting a lot more beautiful as, but it's been the coldest spring we've ever had. Uh, I, I'm dying without like leaves in my garden and everything. That's what we need as people who are housebound is gardens. And now do you plant a garden? Yeah. So what's in your, what's in your glass? What are you drinking? Oh yeah. Quarantini option. Mm -hmm. It's a gin. And ice and a little bit of water and then a little tiny squirt of, well, a lot, sorry, not a little bit of water. It's a mix. But then a little squirt of, uh, of iced tea, like a Mio iced tea, country time iced tea syrup. Interesting. I mean, it's not classy, but I don't care. It tastes good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just drinking cheap bread and I love it. There you go. Yeah. So cheers. Cheers. So back to best food. Do you measure it by? It's got to be in the evening so you can have a nice cocktail. Definitely the company I'm with. Definitely company helps. View, yeah. atmosphere, wait View, staff. View, atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Wait staff is it's extremely important. Um, Isn't it so high on that list? Make or break your dinner, right? Yeah. So there's a a restaurant on uh, the Isle of Skye, which will like creep into this conversation a lot, Isle of Skye, but there's a restaurant on the mm -hmm. Isle of Skye in Scotland uh, called Three Chimneys, and it's a, it's a very good restaurant. It's got Michelin stars. Have you heard of this rating before, Michelin stars? It's a rating that was first introduced in 1926 as a single star, with the second and third stars being introduced in 1933. One star signifies a very good restaurant. Two stars are excellent cooking that is worth a detour. And three, well, this means exceptional cuisine that is worth a special journey. The reliability of this rating is by committee, visiting the establishment multiple times and not just one inspector's assessment. And um, mm. my wife and I have, we go, we've been there, I think three times. And the second time we went there, it was a younger waiter who was off his head on something I, like it must, it was Coke or something. He was just like mm. all over the place. And then he just started like just going off to us. And we had this tasting menu. So it was like nine courses and every course he would bring, he would explain what the course was and then go off about how the cook bullies him and how they all live in, like these crappy little places five miles away and everybody bullies him and it's not fun and blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, I felt for him. And at first we wanted to talk to him and just like chat and it's fine because you always want to talk. And Be have friendly. Right. Yeah. But at yeah. a certain point you're sitting there and he's going off and then you're looking at your food getting cold that is, you know, expensive and also meant mm -hmm. to be eaten when it shows up. And it was crazy. It was insane. The, what he was saying to us and, 
it's that very much changed that experience from like a five-star experience to a three-star experience solely because of the service. Has this ever happened to you? I'm sure it has. Here's one of our stories of this type of experience. So that that happened to us actually recently. We were downtown Calgary. We went for a bite to eat. Yeah. And same thing. It wasn't just like your cheap in and out place. Yeah. And the guy was like proceeding to tell us how he had Lyme disease and, <laughs> you know, he doesn't make very much money as a waiter and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, gee, like, gee, buddy, like, really sorry about your luck, you know, like, <laughs> we, we were empathetic with him, but sure. But, but let's not know, talk about it right now. Like some of that is just too much information for a dining patron. Agreed. <laughs> like, we're just having a meal. Yeah. I I know right now the States is, you know, there's not a lot of positives about the States right now. I remember when, when Alyssia and I first got together, Alicia's my wife. When we first got together, we did a lot of trips down to the States to visit her dad who lives in, in Napa Valley. And then mm-hmm. we would just like driving trips to Seattle or fly for the weekend and like just short little trips. Mm-hmm. And it was the first one we did was Seattle actually. And it was just, it stunned me because I hadn't traveled very much at all. And, and it stunned me the difference in the service in the States compared to Calgary. And especially at this time, this is like 2007 2000, yeah, about 2007. This is like the height of Calgary's ridiculousness, hundred dollar oil. And right. where you go anywhere in Calgary and, and it was, they would just treat you like, like crap, really like service was horrible in Calgary and it's gotten a lot better. The restaurants has gotten a hell of a lot better, but service yeah. used to be so terrible here. Well, it's weird too because you go, like, I think Calgarians can be very pretentious when it comes to stuff like this. Like, our level of expectation is so high. Yeah. And when you go to another country, they want you there more than you want to be there, eating their meat. Oh, yeah. Dining right. in their restaurants or whatever, right? Yep. Um, okay, the next thing on your list was price. And price for sure matters. Um, it, it, yeah, price is a tricky one. I, I only think it matters, though, if you're set on a certain budget when you go out, well, though, right? What I don't like is restaurants... <laughs> so do you, do you remember when there was this change, right? Like tapas got... Tapas, before tapas, you would just go... Like sometimes Liz and I would go and just order appetizers and you could do that and you wouldn't be ch- getting charged for the price of a main because appetizers oh were God. like five or six dollars. And then tapas restaurants took off and then all of a yeah. sudden these other restaurants like even Joey's and Earl's and Cactus Club just doubled the price of their appetizers. Like what? I, that BS. drives me crazy. Yeah. I agree. And we're kind of the same. Like we've always done tapas at home. So long yeah. before any other restaurants did it, we were always doing these big tapas nights, tapas right. parties. And like, when did like even a plate of fries become $10? Yeah. Like, that honestly. Bothers... Yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Yeah. Price. There has to be value. I don't mind paying the price if the value is there. If you have a good sommelier, 
You have a good atmosphere. You're drinking out of a nice, clean glassware. All of <laughs> yes, that polished. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All of that matters, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, but and it's stuff that I would things. laugh at before. And like, if I could hear myself talking now, twenty years ago, I would just be laughing because I'd be sitting in like the Strat in Edmonton, drinking out of dirty glasses, and, but like enjoying you know, yourself, 20, enjoying myself. But I would yeah. not be saying this stuff. But I guess that's what happens when you grow up. Well, and not only when you grow, but you you appreciate different things. Yeah, you appreciate a nice big wine glass or you appreciate your plates to be larger than your meal and you appreciate people who are knowledgeable when they take your order like when you t- when you ask a waiter or waitress hey like how's this such and such oh i don't eat meat yeah right but i've heard it's okay. good <laughs> yeah okay well you might want to lie on that answer yeah yeah like there's that, a hey. um there's a restaurant in in Napa or in Yauntville, which is a city. It's a small little town in in Napa Valley where okay. Alicia's dad lives, and it's called Ad Hoc. And the the guy that owns that is Thomas Keller, who is a famous chef, and he owns French Laundry, which is this restaurant that's mm. been around since like I think it's the early 1972 or something like that. And then he got involved with it in the 80s, and then it became like the most famous restaurant in the states for a while, and still like it's a huge waiting list to get uh in there and i've never eaten there but we've eaten at ad hoc mm-hmm. which is his techniques and he does the menu and stuff but it's uh like family style so it'll be like fried chicken and a, a salad and then beans and something like that but they're all done by these chefs who have the knowledge to do these insane 1300 meals and it's 50 dollars per person so it's incredible but he takes the same um standards from French Laundry and brings them to ad hoc for his service staff. So it's the most mm. incredible service I've ever had, not I've ever had now that we've eaten at more places like, but, but it, it right, was right. like, it was amazing. Like the, it, and everyone's just like wearing casual clothes and everything, but then they explain so much about the food and it's not done in an obnoxious or a facetious or arrogant. A, no, arrogant way it's just yeah, like yeah. this is it and then and it's pretty brief and then if you ask anything they know everything about that food which was awesome so refreshing yeah yeah I, it's coming definitely here. yeah i mean like even just the quality of when you go out it's getting so much better here i mean i think the stakes and the demands are there it's weird though because you know, we're in a recession, but yet, so up until quarantine time, you could still barely get into some of these high-end restaurants in Calgary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, they still had wait lists. Like, what the hell? How are we in a recession and have all these high-end $50 ahead for your main? Because there's help. always businesses who have expense accounts. Yeah, that, I mean, that definitely out. helps. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Location? Location? Yeah, for sure. Because, for sure, actually, location is very important just because of the mindset it puts you in. If Mm -hmm. you take the exact same restaurant and have it here in my hometown where I am all the time versus when I'm on a vacation somewhere in a place that I love, I'm going to have a better meal there because of that mindset that I'm in. So location is a big one. Location is big, too. Um, what about when you're in the actual building? Is there a specific location you 
prefer to eat at? Are you like in the hustle and bustle or do you like to be uh, it depends. kind like of if it's, a little bit more remote? It depends. Um, if I'm with a bunch of people, I prefer to be a little like not in the lounge area. Well, yeah, if it's a good, it depends. I'm getting older. Restaurant lounges are getting louder. Like they're following the way <laughs> of the, yeah. the, what do you call it? Of just like places like this is going to be really regional, but we're in Calgary, like 1410. In any of those places, they just turn the music up so loud. There's no dance floor. Why is the music so loud? What are we doing? Like, I just want to eat. That but, happened to me. I went down to um, that smokehouse in Kensington. It's like, oh, oh, Hayden uh, Block, yeah. Hayden Block. So I'm there with my girlfriend. We're having, like, a great time. You know, it's all kind of party tables. So, yeah. right, like, picnic bench style of room. Yep. And we're sitting there and we're visiting, we're visiting, it's getting louder and louder. And then like at one point, like we're practically yelling at each other. I'm like, what the hell is going on in here? The it's music like isn't why we're there. Down. I know. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's uh, Hayden Block is, like, is terrible for that. Yeah, we had great food, but we probably wouldn't go back because we were trying to catch up and stuff. And that's not the place to do that. It's, it's not place the place to, to do that after five o'clock. And right. It's like as soon as five o'clock hits, they start turning up the volume. It's not a nightclub. What are you doing? I don't understand it. You don't go but to listen to music. I sat on their patio last year, and yeah. that was lovely. And it was yeah, not, it's nice. obviously not as loud. But yeah. it'll be interesting with this quarantine. I don't know if you heard on the news, but they're going to like allow restaurants to kind of bellow out into the streets and have more yeah. patios. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. That'll be so nice. I, I think it would be a, so there, there was talk of, it was suggested, I don't know if there was serious talk of it, like just, you could shut down 17th Ave for a few blocks. You've already got 15th and the other Aves that are one ways. Exactly. You could easily do that in the evening and it would be they were, amazing. Yeah, they were talking about like just tightening up it. So if it's a double lane one way to just do, you know, two way traffic. Right. So I think all of that would be advantageous. Yeah, it's a like why we don't like they go this? and just like hop from one place to another and eat some food and have some wine and walk around. So right. for us, that would just be perfect. The best, yeah, perfect. Where whereabouts are you in the city, Rod? We are in uh, uh, Bankview. Oh, we're in Mount Pleasant. What is Mount Pleasant? Um, we're like just kind of north of downtown and on the west oh, okay. side of center. Oh, okay. Yeah. 16th That's Avenue and center, kind of just northwest of that. Right. So do you have any favorite recipes you'd like to share? I saw some awesome photos on your Instagram basically with bread because everybody's baking so much bread yeah so if you want to talk about like do you have a sourdough starter or are you just kind of let me get to that i'll get to that because i've got a weird relationship with sourdough but um like for recipes there's a uh a woman her name is mandy lee and she used to live in vancouver and she was a blogger like 15 or yeah, maybe 10 years ago, actually. Okay. It's so hard to tell, especially now. What's a year? What's a month? What day is it? But, I'm with you. Um, 
she was doing there's a restaurant in New York called Momofuko, and that's David uh, Chang, who he's got a show called Ugly Delicious. But anyway, he put out this. Uh, um, he's the guy that sort of like it's it it started the whole ramen craze, like when people really started talking about ramen in North America. Yeah, yeah. Like he yeah. opened this restaurant Momofuko, and it was just tiny, and he it wasn't like grand designs. Um, but then he it just got really popular. And then he's a Korean chef too. So he was taking Japanese and Korean and melding them and then American things and melding them into there. So it was really cool fusion. Uh, But anyway, so he put out a cookbook and then she had a blog that was just like doing all of his recipes and talking about it. So that's when I discovered her. And then she moved to Beijing because her husband got a job there and was miserable. Anyway, long story short, she recently put out a cookbook and it's called Escapism Cooking by Mandy Lee. And it's phenomenal. Like, it's so good. So I made a chicken piten ramen out of that, and it was, like, mind-blowing. But And it was, like, a two- or three-day process, but it was worth it. That was amazing. I'm hmm. going to make that again if, on a stormy weekend, like a rainy, cold weekend. I'll do that again. Uh, but I'm just the other day, Liz and I were watching movies, and I made uh, a spicy cumin lamb sort of stir-fry. Okay. That I found on this blog, and it was unbelievable. It was so good. Because that's one of the dishes we like to get when we do takeout from... I mean, I, we all, all we do is takeout these days. But like, from there's a restaurant, Great Taste, in Chinatown. Yep. It's so good. And it's like Sichuan-style Chinese food, so it's really spicy, and it's my favorite. So, yeah, the spicy yeah. cumin thing right now it probably would be my favorite thing to cook for a meal. Mm, but I like yummy. pasta. I'll cook it. Mm-hmm. I love cooking. Mm. I figured you did. Sometimes when you're a foodie, it's kind of like a little bit of an itch that you have to scratch to figure out how to make whatever you've tried at a restaurant or oh, yeah. it's on yeah. TV. So my dad's yeah. a chef. Oh, really? Yeah. And he's um, he's taught. He's traveled. He lived for 10 years over in Qatar. Wow. He, uh, it's like in my DNA to cook. I've cooked right. since I was like teeny tiny balancing on the top of a stool to look over the, the stove. Oh. So for me, I like to, if I try a good meal, I figure out how to make it. Mm-hmm. We don't eat a lot of meat in my house. We're more pescatarian, so more fish and seafood. Yeah. When I go out, if I want to have meat, I eat meat. But it has to be exactly what I'm wanting. Yeah. I don't want to like, you know, eat the calories or eat the meal that's not perfect or like super good. Does that make right. sense? I don't oh, want to makes... waste my chance to have whatever on something else. No, that's great. That's what Liz and I are. We talk about that a lot. And that's what we try to do. Like beef. Beef is fantastic, but I don't want to eat a lot of it or lamb. Lamb, mm. especially. That's a hard one. Everybody talks uh, about feel even and saying lamb is just. Uh, it's still a lamb. Point. It's not a sheep. Like the ethics behind veal and lamb, they're a lot different the way they raise them. At least they let them run around paddock. Well, in England, they do. I don't know what they do here. They probably do. But, but yeah, they're. It's not a. It's a very young animal. No. <laughs> like even when you go in and you're looking at the menu and it's like maybe. 
baby octopus, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, really? Do they have to put the word baby in there? Like, I know. I just hate that. Just say tender. <laughs> I know. Just say, yeah, fresh, even. <laughs> right. It's like, let's just use a different term. But I, I don't know. And I think, too, like, you and I are about the same age. And I think the older that we get, the more you can, like, A, appreciate, B, I mean, our cattle and poultry industry is kind of slapping us around with this situation that we're in and yeah. you kind of like reflect a bit more like now we have hordes and hordes and hordes of cattle stuck not being able to be processed that are going to be euthanized in a crazy ass way to get rid of the population it's when terrible. the other half of the world is starving to death like it just the, is yeah the stories it doesn't. It, and uh, so many rules when people are starving. And even in our own country where in the States and in, in Great Britain, the amount of food that is getting wasted and thrown down, the, like milk getting thousands of gallons just going down the drain, animals getting killed in the field. Like it's it's crazy. Yet people are starving. There's shortages in grocery stores. Right. I know. You know, trying to put bits and pieces of that where you can maybe make an impact or choose differently once in a while that makes an impact on, you know, all of it as a whole from the farmer to the farm, farm to, the table. to table. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, it's, it's little bits of that. You, it, it's, it's interesting. And it's the same way, like you can make parallels to the same argument of eating healthy and just like, Oh, I'm going to be a vegetarian it's really difficult to be a vegetarian if you don't have a lot of money. Like if you're a single mother mm -hmm. with a couple kids, it's really difficult to be a vegetarian because veg vegetables are expensive. They're a lot more expensive and it's cheap. You can buy meat, you can buy ground beef, or you can buy Kentucky Fried Chicken or hamburgers. I That's know. cheaper than cooking, especially in the States. Like it's Well, and even, even going to a grocery store, like their produce is in abundance. But the frozen pizza aisle is empty well especially the first when this first happened uh it was crazy and like we're we're calgary like i thought i was seeing all these posts from australia because they went through the stocking up thing before we did and i thought we would be better but no same thing so like all the flour is gone the yeast is gone and that's fine people want to bake at home that that's fine i hope you're not buying more than one bag of flour but how but, can you sustain then, it, though? Now there's none. It, well, right. And people will have, like, flour for years now and toilet paper. It's ridiculous. But anyway, like, you're right. Going to the grocery store, all of those things would be gone, and the frozen pizzas and all that stuff would be gone, but no vegetables. The vegetables were full. It's like, what? You still need to eat vegetables. But the people that I think are, like, you've made people who wouldn't normally cook now you have to cook so what right. are you going to do so oh, you're yeah. make processed meals yeah and it's really easy to say well why don't you learn how to cook because it's super stressful right now and maybe i just don't have the mental capacity to learn a new All thing one more stress <laughs> added to yeah. plate. like i'm about to you know explode right like people yeah. are at wit's end Never yeah. mind not working or trying to balance budgets and stuff like that. Yeah, so, I have a lot of sympathy for, for, for that argument, actually. Like, it's such right. an interesting time.
it's such an interesting time. And, you know, um, with mental health week being last week, I had done a podcast, um, in 2018, a podcast challenge and actually won the challenge with my story. Okay. So this year I thought I'm going to, Oh, thank you. I'm going to dig it out of archive and I'm going to just refresh it a bit because I think it's even more apparent now than it was in 2018. As we know, this has been a hard year for all of us. This coronavirus has sure taken its toll on society as a whole, from the pilfering of the grocery stores to trying to learn how to cook to all of it. Here's a clip of this mental health episode, which I believe is indeed more relevant today or just as relevant as it is during Mental Health Awareness Month. Listen to this. Since May is Mental Health Month, and with the times of COVID we are living in, it's a most difficult time for so many people. I just heard the other day that, quote, we are all in the same boat. And honestly, I don't believe that we are. And I keep hearing, you know, everyone's in the same boat. We're all in this together. Like, no, we're not. No, we're not. Especially when Gal Gadot tells us that. Sorry, but we're not. And you're not. Like, we're not the same. There's nothing the same about us. No. I have a small child who's homeschooled. I've lost my job. My husband's working. Like, none of that is parallel to you and your life. Exactly. We're not in the same boat. And like someone's like, some people's boats are yachts. Like mine is a rowboat. Like right. Let's let's get, let's not sugarcoat at all. Yes. No, and, and it's just so condescending. It's just so condescending. Yeah. Like it's that exhausting. Imagine thing, that Imagine video that they, the, that they put out, all the celebrities singing Imagine when like day two of this uh, stay at home. Oh, wow. I didn't even see that. Oh, my. It's terrible. And you're going to hate everybody involved in it because they're so out of touch with reality. Well, I don't know. Maybe they all are. But no, there was older people. I think Tim Robbins was even in it. Uh, What? There was a lot of famous Hollywood. Gal Gadot started this thing where she just sent it out to all of her friends. And she's like, hey, can you sing this line from the song Imagine? And then she got, she maybe, maybe she edited it. I don't know, but someone edited it and then released it on her Instagram. And it was just like, none of them were singers. It was terribly done. It sounded like crap, but also the backgrounds were their fabulous mansions with swimming pools and maids bustling around in the background. Like it was just so out of touch with reality. Like, no, I'm not on board with that. Right. Yeah. At the time of this recording, I had not yet seen the video. I have, however, watched it since to prepare for this episode. Well, part of it. As I agree with Rod, it isn't very good. I think the guy playing the saxophone in Italy to the apartment building was perfect. This video wasn't. Have you seen it? What are your thoughts? There's a link in the show notes to the video. Yeah. But let's get back to food. I like talking sure. about food. Oh, I bypassed sourdough. I know you don't want to talk about your sourdough. No, I will. I would love to. Okay, I let's love, do that. I, I was everybody's watch- talking about sourdough starters, and I've never done one. Okay. Have you? Yeah, many times. What it's the, the easiest okay, thing good. in the world to do. Um, okay. 
Oh, there's a show on Netflix called Cooking. Is it Cooking? With Michael Pollan? I think it I is. Or, I can't remember. Michael Pollan is the guy who wrote The Omnivore's Dilemma. He's a really interesting author. Uh, but, but anyway, he had a show on Netflix where he just... It was four episodes, and then each one was on a different thing. And one was on... Each one was based on an element. So there was, like, fire, oh, earth, air, yeah, water. Yeah. And then right, I, right. I think it was air where he talked about sourdough. And then when I saw that one and like how easy he made it look to, to make sourdough, I was like, Oh, that looks awesome. I want to try it. Cause I love bread. So yeah, then I just started. Hey? I, yeah. Like I, and then I got into making my own starter and then making the sourdough from it and then baking it and whatnot. And then I bought a book called flour, water, salt, yeast. I've nice? heard of this book. Yeah. Yeah, it's by a, a Ken Ken Forkish. He's got a bakery in Portland, and it's it's amazing. Like, this book is, I would suggest that it's the number one book that you should buy. And if you go to any, like, online group talking about bread, they're all going to know that book and have that book. Like, it's so good. But I bought that book, and it taught me everything I needed to know, and I just follow his instructions. And it's very labor-intensive, and it's very, like, you have to do yeah. things on a certain timeline. So it's, okay. but I, I really like that aspect of it because I'm like, Oh, I got to stay up for another four hours. Cause I got to fold the dough and whatnot and then put it in the fridge. But anyway, um, it's just not my favorite bread. I love I don't baking like sourdough it. either. <laughs> I hate it. I don't like yeah. the sour part. It's dense and, but it's not that dense. Like I make good sourdough and like people love it. Um, mm -hmm. My sister-in-law is a massive sourdough connoisseur and she eats it like a loaf a day at times. She likes it, but like, it's just not my favorite bread. Like I'm, mm -hmm. I like, you know, white bread and, <laughs> Me buns <too>. and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I just um, found this great, just like plain old dinner roll. Oh yeah. Recipe. So you can yeah. like whip off. You know, a dozen buns in an hour. I let them rise right. for two hours, but and it's just yeah. like the best salty sweet buns for anything, peanut butter and jam or salmon sliders or whatever. Nice. And they're just so um so quick to just turn out. Then we eat yeah. the entire dozen in like one evening. So Yeah, but so what? Yeah, I know, right? It's like so satisfying. <laughs> so yeah. satisfying. Okay, so, well I'll look up the um Sour, but like to make your own sourdough starter, it's the easiest yeah. thing in the world. All you need to do is take uh, water and flour. Uh, and if you're using flour, and, and if, even if you only have one type of flour, like let's say you only have uh, white flour, all-purpose flour in your house, that's fine. Yeah. Just take that, mix it with water, put it in a jar, stir it up. And the water should be not room temperature, it should be like uh, warm water. Warm, yeah. And then just stir it up and equal parts and just let it go and cover it with a tea towel or or whatever and and just let it go and then every day or twice a day at the start actually just just feed it again and if your container is not big enough then you pour half of it out and then add you Wait, know another... you don't have any yeast in it no you don't need yeast this is the whole point of making the starter because it creates yeast from it so in that yeast is present everywhere naturally it's just floating mm -hmm. around and then your flour will have a whole bunch of yeast in it so and it's just natural yeast uh can 
candida something or other but it's just present in the flower and this just lets it it develop itself and then in a couple of days it's going to start bubbling and growing and then you'll see it and you just keep feeding it and that's your starter it's the easiest thing in the world it's also the most frustrating thing in the world if it doesn't work because so bit, what what why do they use the word starter uh because it's you just need a little bit of it and then that's the starter to make your sourdough bread so then like step one of making sourdough bread is to take like 100 grams of that starter, put it in a container, and then add a whole bunch of flour and stuff, and then just let it sit there for eight hours, and then that's your sourdough base to get going. So you only need a little bit of it, and then you just keep that starter going on your counter, or else put it in the fridge like most people do, because they're not baking every couple days. Uh, yeah, so it's just the, the starting portion of the sourdough thing. It starts it out. Interesting. And then, I don't even think it's cheating, because, like, so that that yeast is the stuff that uh it's like yeast and time because it it has time to ferment or whatever yeah and it's fermenting but it's it's changing the molecular structure of the proteins in the flour and water and whatnot and the gluten and it's it's changing it so it's a it's it's a, a much more digestible bread I'm going to name a country that you've been to and you tell me we're going to do this rapid fire. Okay. Okay. You tell me your favorite food or the name of a restaurant and your favorite food in that place. Okay. I've also been to Japan. I don't think I told you that. Japan. Yeah. Uh, I want to go to Japan. It's amazing. Okay. Ready? Clock's ticking. Okay. Vienna. Uh, Vienna, I it would be the um, uh, strudel, it, apple strudel. Oh yeah. With and in Vienna they do it, and it it has to be winter. It can't be summer because it's so bloody hot in Vienna. Mm-hmm. It has to be mm-hmm. winter, and it has to be cold. And you get apple strudel, and it comes in a warm vanilla cream. It's amazing. It's so it's oh, the best. Oh my mouth yeah. watering. It's incredible. Salzburg. Salzburg would be um, breakfast at Salzburg was probably one of the best breakfasts I've had in my life because my sister-in-law lives there and my they have this uh, breakfast restaurant or restaurant that they go to for breakfast and you get to pick like it sounds just like picking things from a menu but it's not it's like there's a hundred things on the menu that you get to choose from and whatever it's really just like choosing from a menu at Denny's. Like eggs or like what is Yeah, it? but they're really big on their uh, dipping eggs. Like, uh, mm. you know, a soft poached egg. Yeah, yeah, got you. Take the head off and then uh, you dip toast points into it. And that's something that my mom used to make. So it has a lot of memories for me and it makes me feel uh, good. Nostalgic, yeah. Nostalgic memories. And then they do it there, but they put faces on the eggs. So it's pretty funny too. And then they come and they have the special little device that uh, you take the toque off the egg with this happy face and then it looks really happy and then you put this device on it and then drop this thing and then it hits the egg and it cracks the top and then you can the just heck? put the top off. Yeah, <laughs> you have this really... device and you drop the thing <laughs> and it hits the egg. It's hard to describe. But it's really... Yeah. I have, uh-huh. I bought one because it was so cool. But anyway, oh, yeah, breakfast one? there. 
Yeah, I have one. Oh. And now and then we'll do that. But okay, you need send special me a picture pictures. of your thing. Okay. Of the droppy thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll send a video. Okay, what about Paris? Uh, well, I can tell you what I don't like was just like going to a cafe for a coffee and then just like breakfast there is a baguette and butter and it was just so disappointing because oh, I needed salt. I was not but thinking like, that. Yeah, but a good But meal the coffee there, would be good there, right? Yeah, the coffee's good, but the best there, there's a restaurant called L'Entrecote. And it's just, it's steak with a green sauce that is magical and then fries. And it's, that's all they mm. serve. And then copious amounts of wine. And it mm. is so amazing. And like L'Entrecote de la Relais is what it's called. And my pronunciation is probably terrible, but it's amazing. I, anybody who goes to Paris should go there. And it, cause it's the best steak with green sauce you'll ever have. Frites, steak frites. Steak frites? Yeah. Uh, Scotland. Uh, Scotland, there's so many because I just love it so much, and that's our place. But because um, you bought some property there, yeah, nice. we're in the process. The lawyers are still like mm-hmm. everything shut down. So we, yeah, we're in the process. Oh, this is just recent. Oh, that's yeah, kind of exciting. Recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. It's very scary because hopefully, uh, hopefully the uh, Alberta. Hopefully, will be able to go there one day. <laughs> no, hopefully we can go back. Make more money to buy the house or build a house oh, on yeah. the land. But the plots are. But um, yeah, Scotland is really. I mean, breakfast in Scotland is a whole other thing. I don't know how they do it. I love it, but I don't feel good after I eat it because it's like, and it's the same with England, but in Scotland it's even heavier because you have like lots of fat and stick to your ribs, sausages, right? haggis, so- yeah, lots of fried beans, and- uh. And then the, there's like this weird, really good, weird, dense pancake thing. There's a potato hash brown thing. Isn't there mushroom. like lard and bacon sandwiches or something like that? Oh, yeah. Bofties. Bofties. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And then it's just the biggest breakfast. And it's like, how do you eat? I don't eat that much for breakfast. I like it, mm. but I feel terrible after it. Yeah. I'm, I mean, like we talked kind of at the start of the show. We're not really breakfast people. Right. So to have a big breakfast and then be totally bogged down for the rest of the day is a challenge, especially when you're a tourist and you're trying to like enjoy being around. Go to Studio Bow. It's like King Eddie is unbelievable. And what it was compared uh, to what it is now. And the food there is amazing. It's great. I love it. I mean, it's bar food, but. No, but it's food bar. I would call it It gastro bar food yeah i wouldn't call it that either it's i mean it's pretty decent wait you would or wouldn't no it's good uh, i would I actually mean, use that word in my terminology but <laughs> uh, I, I know where you're going with that i'm, on your I'm just page. trying to be nice no it's better than like and then it was just all these people dissecting everything about our bodies as they compared to the house like it was so oh. weird listening to what people oh, were saying. Inch. Oh, yeah. I love that. Like, I like, love to just eavesdrop and be like, hmm. It was very strange. So Rod and his wife posed nude for an art piece that was, and maybe still is, hung up at the Royal Alberta Museum in Edmonton. 
Rod went to the opening night and heard people discussing their bodies, which were positioned in front of a large home, listening to their commentary. Yeah, that, I mean, you gotta just take, you gotta just do shit like that in life and, you know, get some thought or be like, hey, I freaking pose nude for this, whatever, right? Like, that, you gotta don't, just. Don't say no, unless it's yeah. something ridiculous, I mean, like let's rob a bank or let's go kill someone or here's some weird. Yeah, I might have to think jack. on those ones, but mostly you just say yeah to things or like yeah. you're gonna totally miss out. Right. Do you have a picture of it? <laughs> it's on my Instagram somewhere. Is it? I didn't see it on there. Maybe it isn't. I, I'm sure it is. I'll find it. Okay. I'll check. Okay, you check that out. One of the things that we were talking about, well, we've talked about quite a few things, because you and I, you and I have a bit of a path, sort of new kind of friendship. Yeah. And um, Rod's actually doing voiceover work in a book that we're working on together called Project DF, which will be coming out in the fall. So fun. So we, so fun, right? I love it. Yeah, I love it's it. It's just like I've, I've, oh, like I sent you guys an email the other day, but I sent it out to a few people to kind of get objective opinions on. And they came back like, holy shit, this is good. <laughs> so I was feeling like pretty proud of myself for, for gathering everybody up and doing this like really cool thing. And it was one of those bucket list challenges of mine. Oh, I you should continue to, to do this. Well, I think I have like some people that are now in my back pocket because so many of you are like, tell me when your next one is like, let's do this again. Like, let's just keep going. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been very it. fun. Since we kind of got to know each other over Instagram, kind of, you know, doing a voyeuristic approach to you know <laughs> everybody today. Yeah. So one of the things you had on your Instagram that I want to ask you about is your mackerel dish oh. that you made. And the reason why this sits with me is because nobody I know likes mackerel except okay. me and my daughter. Yeah, my wife hates it. And my husband um, hates it. My dad will eat it a little. He's the chef. Like he tries yeah. and does everything, like eats everything. But <laughs> A little. Yeah. Okay, did you... But, did like, you... <sighs> There's a show on Netflix called The Final Table, and it had, uh, it's really a really good show, and it had Darren, um, I, uh, I can't remember his, it, Darren someone or other who runs, I feel terrible for not knowing his name, but he runs Shokunin, like he, he owns Shokunin. And oh, yeah, yeah, I know who, I'm like, I know who and, you're and talking about. Yeah. yeah. Have you so he was there? on that show. Shokunin, so, have you eaten there? Yeah. Once. Oh, my God. Once for me too. <laughs> yeah. It took us three months to get an appointment in there. An appointment. <laughs> well, we had to like book a table. We had to like yeah. make our reservation. An appointment with food. Yeah, it's great. I I liked it. Uh, I he's an interesting guy. Um, he was on the show, the final table on Netflix, which is a yeah. fantastic show. It was so good, and he he got to the finals, and the guy that like was his partner from LA won mm -hmm. it. So Darren did really well. 
which is really awesome for Calgary. But anyway, there is we we were every year we go somewhere different for Christmas with and it's not Christmas. It's a, the date. It's like a week before Christmas, but with Alicia's sister and her husband who live in Salzburg. So we'll go somewhere. And we went to Amsterdam. Oh, so they come here for like no, the uh, they used to, oh. but but since Alicia was in England, it was always going somewhere in Europe. Uh, okay. So we went to Amsterdam one year, and then one of the chefs on that show, The Final Table, mm-hmm. has a restaurant called 101 Gowrie, and he is an Australian chef who moved to Amsterdam and opened up a restaurant, and he was on The Final Table, and he was cool, like he had I don't know whatever he was just really cool and he looked like yeah. a great chef so i was like oh let's try to go there and it was really reasonable and so we went for dinner there and it was an insanely good dinner it was so much fun and i'm just gonna tell the story because i think it's funny and i'll get in trouble for it later but like so it, it was a tasting many thing i think it was like six courses or whatever and lots of wine and like they had a sommelier and it was all natural wines mm. and they were so good. So we were just drinking a lot and eating a lot. And the food was incredible. The wine was incredible. The cocktails were incredible. They had a mackerel uh, thing there. One of the things, one of the starters, I think, was mackerel. And it was okay. um, the dish. You're right. I couldn't remember what the word was for it. It was like my appointment. Food. I'll you. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it was so good. That's and then also one of the other things in Amsterdam is like street carts that just sell mackerel on a bun. So pickled pickled mackerel on a bun, and that's it. Maybe a little butter. I don't know. And I was really hungover one morning, and I had that, and no one else would eat it but me, and I loved it, and it made me feel so mm. good. The salt mm. bringing mm-hmm. electrolytes back to your body, and I just totally. loved it. So yeah. then I just made so, this thing on Inst- that I posted. It was like a Chinese-inspired, Asian-inspired mackerel thing. It was fine. It wasn't great. The mackerel okay. that we mm. get in Calgary isn't very good. No. Mackerel sushi. Yeah. Never had it. Have you? Mm-hmm. Where? Well, now that you say that, am I getting it mixed <laughs> up with something? Maybe. I don't think Maybe? so. <laughs> I don't think mackerel is a very Japanese utilized <laughs> fish. <laughs> when you say it like that. It's a cold water northern fish. That's true. Okay, let yeah. me look it up here. Hmm. Pondering here. Well, I, I mean, I like it any way. It's an oily, very flavorful. I, I really like it. I think it's really You can get it in cans, like where, where you would buy like smoked mussels and stuff. You can get it in cans like that. And we have it like with tapas shrimp yeah. and it'll be this and that and do some smoked salmon and that and mussels and whatever and we'll have like all of those little bits did you ever go to una and like they I would love serve una or sorry not una i like oh. una uh ox angela uh, oxo no ox angela mm, i don't it's know it's closed now but it was. It's, well, the Oxo Tapas place is closed too. Are we Oxo, talking about the same? Probably yeah. we're talking about the same thing. It, it was Ox like Angela, the like the the span the Spanish inspired place, and then they did a big oh, Reno. Oh my god, I love that place. Yeah, but they, they had would go there a lot. Yeah, us too. 
that that place saved our marriage. Like I love that place. We would go there a lot just to talk at the bar, and we became friends with the bartender. And oh, many We've gone there so much. Like we love that. We loved that place. But they had like canned seafood, and it would be like twenty bucks for like a tin of octopus or sardines or something. But they were the best things ever. They were mm. so good. Like high-end canned tin. But they, but they, oh, it was like in an actual from Spain, can? yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting, because they used to do like pickles and stuff like that, right? Oh yeah, yeah, they yeah. were great. I don't, I wish they wouldn't have closed down. They changed their, they did a big reno and then changed their whole way of doing things, and that's what. I don't know. It's a tough mm. industry, the restaurant industry. I'm glad I'm just a patron. It's tougher now. Holy man. I can't imagine. I don't know. I know. I can't. I don't even know what we're going to go back to once the doors open. Well, a lot of restaurants now, like like Proof, just announced that they're not going to open. Uh, they're just like a lot of these restaurants can't survive on fifty percent capacity with limits. So I think if they're able to pay their lease and just wait it out and then open up, because when these places that you love open up, they're going to go crazy. So it's I think it's a responsible like a decision. Yeah, and well, I mean, that second wave is going to hit so hard. It's responsible to say, let's not open up and let's not contribute to it. Because people, in, I know a lot of people right now that have a ton of reservations for when it opens up, and they're just going crazy. And I'm just sort of, uh, I mean, I have asthma, so I'm not excited to go out yet. We're just, Liz and I are just going to wait it out and see what happens. And, you know. Yeah, I mean, we're super foodies. Like, we would go out on the town, like, you know, and really tear it up and have a great time. And we're not doing that. Like we don't even right. have the itch yet. Like we're not no. really interested. I mean, we're no. happy we can still do takeout at our, you know, favorite pizza joints and things like that. And although Una has kind of let us down a couple of times lately, just, I don't think I that don't, it, it, I don't think it travels well. It's well, <laughs> they're just so late. Like one time we waited for like 45 minutes and we pre-ordered. And I was like, what the hell, dude? I'm done with. Seriously. I'm done. Oh, I got to tell you a story. Okay. This. Oh, so I don't know if it's embarrassing or if it's just if it's right. If I was in the right, I'll I'll let you decide. So we ordered from Mercado uh, because that's the first place we ordered from when this all happened. Like our first meal that we ordered from was from Mercado because they they immediately like the first weekend that this happened which was March 12th they released a takeout menu so we ordered and they were doing back then they weren't using delivery they they had their own driver and it was fantastic like we ordered the bisteca which is the steak and then a pasta and a salad and it was amazing and we just had a really nice meal and a lot of times in real life you we forget to eat at our dining table and we're just busy and we had a busy day and let's just eat and then do whatever and but like that we just sat at the dining table for this it was really special and great it was wonderful and then um like a month later we ordered it again but now they moved to DoorDash and like it's a steak that is so amazing when you eat it, and when we got it, even it was so with amazing. takeout though, it was amazing because she, the driver was a person like she works there, and then we're very close to her. It's like a ten minute 
drive through yeah, that yeah, oil if that for sure so then yeah but like doordash guy he i'm i'm watching him on i'm gonna sound like such an asshole in this but i'm not gonna sugarcoat it. i'm watching him on the on the app this will be my he, first episode i have to mark explicit oh sorry <laughs> I can't just bleep out all the swearing, but that's just so funny. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I'll try to swear again. Um, That's okay. But he, um, like, you can see where they're going. And then he just starts going down south. He went and did a delivery in Mackenzie Town. And then he did a delivery in Harris Park. You're like, "Um, dude, you're going the wrong way. Right. And I texted him. And then I called him. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, oh, that's wrong. I'm still at the restaurant. And then I called the restaurant, and they're like, no, sir, he left, like, quite a while ago. I was like, oh. And then he showed up. At 7 o'clock, he's outside, and I went outside. So everyone on my block is out there clapping for essential workers. And then I'm really upset because this guy ruined our expensive steak. Like, it's not cheap at Mercado. <sighs> so I'm not cheap. Like arguing with him while yeah. everyone's clapping and everyone's looking at me like what is wrong with you he's an essential worker too and i felt like such an idiot when i got inside <laughs> like why did i do that so i don't know i'm but still he ruined our meal but i don't think i would ever order a decent meal like that at takeout like i think i can risk pizza being soggy or like chicken wings which are my biggest hugest weakness in life especially when i'm a pescatarian if i can get good chicken wings i'm like a happy person i mean we were just going off the fact that the first time it was so good now so i'll only do um pick up but also there's a lot to hear though like doordash takes like 30 percent skip the dishes doordash all these do but it's it's an interesting argument though it is, but I, I mean, there's restaurants where I've called them to say, can I just do a pickup order? And they're like, uh, you sure can, but just do it online through DoorDash. So I'm like, like but no. why don't I just do it through you and come and get the food? And they're like, no, right. just do DoorDash. I don't understand that. They don't want that. to deal with it because the infrastructure is not there. Right. That's yeah. a BS to me, though. Like, what happened to the good old-fashioned, hey, so-and-so, can I place an order? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Where's your favorite pizza joint in Calgary? Uh, gosh. I mean, so for, for hangover pizza, it's 4th Street Pizza because it's so, like... <gasps> really? So on Edmonton thick. Trail? Well, there's one on Edmonton Trail and there's one in Mission. Okay, so that's my husband's absolute favorite. Yeah, and it's they deliver. really good. Yeah, and and they deliver themselves, like... Sometimes the owner yeah. who delivers you the pizza. I it's really know, good. old Papa. Yeah. And you know, when you go in there and old Papa's working in there, the kids are like behaving, everything's so perfect. And then once in a while you'll get like a pizza and you're like, what the heck? Old Papa mustn't have been working tonight. Yeah, the kids were just being really uppity. Lazy. <laughs> They're being lazy. Yeah. I yeah, know, it's great. And it's too. a family type restaurant. Yeah, it's a family restaurant. It's fantastic. Great pizza crust and, you know, like Mediterranean. Overloads of oregano. It's really good. Oh, it's so good. So, yeah. So, we have Forest Street on one side of us and we have Forest Spot Kitchen and Bar on the other side. Which one? Sorry? Forest Spot Kitchen and Bar. It's on Edmonton Trail and Forest Street. Okay. Or not Edmonton Trail, sorry. 
4th Street Northwest and 24th Fish Avenue Northwest. Yeah. Okay. I haven't so been. good. Oh, so you guys should go. You guys should go for pizza or what is or it? Pizza, yeah, pizza wings. They have great burgers. Okay. Um, they even have like they do like half price bottles of wine and pasta Wednesdays or whatever. Half price. No, I mean not now, but <laughs> yeah. Um, have you been to Captain's? Upside? Captain's Boil. No, I don't really like Suvi. I think boiling meat in plastic is really gross. What? We well, disagree. All sous vide. Oh, we do. Oh yeah. No. If you do it right, you're fine. No. Captain's boil is Boy- so good. Yeah, no, I'm not into sous vide at all. No, um, thank you. Okay, that's fine. I personal tastes are everybody's own thing. It, I like it. The taste I, I love, but the process I'm not for. <laughs> I'm not for any of that. Okay. Uh, it's, it has its uses. And I think like a lot of the food at restaurants you've eaten have already, like they've been doing this since the seventies and it's a really efficient way to prepare food and then like take something and then just warm it up on the grill or like do the final sear or whatever for seafood, for meat, for vegetables. Like that's just a really, like a lot of restaurants just have been doing it for years and then it came to our homes and we all look talk about doing it but yeah it's you know my cousin my cousin travis he's hilarious he's like he's sous vide's everything he's like got into the sous vide thing and he's sous vide and i'm like mm, i think a no, steak on I the on the grill like on the mm-hmm. charcoal barbecue mm-hmm. if you know how to do that why do you need like my mouth is watering okay. yeah yeah I mean, if you know how to do it right, do it. 100%. But, um, SUV, S O U S V I D E, is the process of vacuum sealing food in plastic with spices, then boiling it. They call it precision cooking to the perfect doneness. I'm not a fan of cooking in plastic bags. You put them in boiling water. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Okay, so Four Street's your favorite pizza. What about sushi? No, that's – it's one of my favorite pizzas. But, I, you know, Una is fantastic. I, I really I like the Una. atmosphere there. I'm in. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to go back to Una with Alicia. Can't and just, wait. Ugh, yeah. I know. I can't I'm wait. In. Yeah. And yeah. also, everybody is on – don't like pineapple on pizza. Una's pizza with pineapple because they shave the pineapple and roast it is but it, sorry, oh, it's incredible. I love pineapple on pizza. And Una, I love Frenchie. Do you guys go to Frenchie as well? She hasn't been there yet. I've been there once. I can't wait to take her there. Oh, my God. It's great. So go to Frenchie. And, and our favorite bartender like, works there. Molly? No, Nyla, oh. who was our bartender. All She was the lead bartender at Ox Angela, which was on oh, interesting. whole thing. All the same hmm. things. Um, their key lime pie. Okay. To die for. Good. I like you. At Una and Frenchie. It's like the best key lime pie. But you know how much it is? Remember how we were talking about appetizers earlier and how they've grossly (laughs) inflated the price? Like for one piece of key lime pie, it's over $10. Uh, 
like that just hurts a little. Yeah, it does. Spend too much on pizza and wine. Yeah, because they're making eighty dollars on that. <sighs> I'm just doing the quick math on how many slices of no, probably yeah, they're probably like twelve. No, oh, maybe not two. No, I think it's twelve dollars. We don't need to waste piece. time talking. About so it's twenty four dollars for two pieces of pie. Like what yeah. the hell? Like, like, just, oh, why do you get me like that? Right. And then they they put a little drizzle of honey on the bottom of the pie so it doesn't slide around on your plate. Well, there you go. I know. It's like totally, okay, it's worth it. (laughs) Yeah. I'll pay the money. Just don't be out of pie. Okay, what's the cheapest bottle of wine in New York? Oh. You had me with this. And okay, so wait, was it worth it? Oh. And is it cheap? Like we would consider cheap Calgarians or cheap for New Yorkies? All great questions. All great questions. Okay, so Alicia, uh, in between her, she she had just finished her master's, and there was a course that she took in uh, art. History by South Bees. So it was like a month long course in New York. So then we rented a place uh, in Hell's Kitchen and then went and lived there. And I was there, she was there for four weeks. I was there for three weeks. And it was amazing. Wow, like, cool. Hell's Kitchen is right beside, like a couple blocks away is Times Square, which is a place mm-hmm. you should avoid. You should see it once and then avoid it at all costs. Okay. Uh, but it's also right next to the, like, all the plays Everything. and stuff. Yeah. Why do they call it Hell's Kitchen? No, it's not named after the Gordon Ramsay show. Quite frankly, it's the other way around. Originally, the expression Hell's Kitchen referred to a rough neighborhood on the south side of London, England. The term in reference to New York first appeared in print in September 1881 when a New York Times reporter went to a police guide to get details of a multiple murder. Hell's Kitchen, today, is also known as Clinton, a neighborhood on the west side of Manhattan. It's also known for its extensive selection of multi-ethnic, small, and relatively inexpensive restaurants, delicatessens, bodegas, bars, and associated nightlife. Not the shortest walk, but it was in in New York. Everything is walkable, and we at at the time just didn't. We I remember we walked down to the subway once, and then tried to we looked at it and tried to figure it out, and then we just walked up and took a cab. So we we're like, I don't know, I don't know. We're from Calgary. What what do we know about this whole thing? Right. Uh, like we just didn't want to put in the effort because I think we had just come from a afternoon restaurant and or having a couple of cocktails and whatnot. Anyway, yeah. um, we went, we spent a lot of time in Central Park and this almost became a daily thing where she would go to school and then I would go to this place in Central Park and she would come and meet me and it was called Le Pen Quotidien, which is like, it's a worldwide thing. They're, they're in New York, they're in Le Pen Quotidien. So it's the daily bread, but it's Le Pen Quotidien. And like, they're everywhere. They're in UK, North America, France, like it's just a chain, but there's one in Central Park, which is on this hill that overlooks this meadow called the Sheep's Meadow. And it's just amazing. Like you can sit on the patio and, and just watch like New York life in the park. 
And it was, I think it was like a $14 bottle of rosé. And that is insanely <laughs> cheap. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. I it's love so that. cheap awesome. for New York. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really good rosé. And it's ice cold. Mm-hmm. So we would just order that. And then they had amazing salads, also cheap. Like I don't understand how it was so cheap if they were in Central Park, but it was. So that, yeah, like it was just incredible. And we would just sit there and... Thanks and drink wine and eat our salads and watch people or just sometimes we would just sit there and read our books and uh, uh drink wine that's so romantic in the sun yeah. yeah yeah he said the name le pain quotidien l-e-p-a-i-n-q-u-o-t-i-d-i-e-n and they are an international chain of bakery restaurants it sells baked goods, salads, sandwiches, beverages, and great wine for a great price, as we just heard. Hmm, so $14 is pretty cheap. I was thinking it'd be like, oh, you know, 150 bucks is the cheapest bottle of wine you could find or something. (laughs) You had me there. Yeah, that's why it became our favorite place, just because of that. And also, like, it was the scenery. Central Park is one of the most amazing places I've been in the world. It's ridiculous. Like it's so cool what they've done and how they haven't let it become something else. It's really cool. So I have a story about a great Rose. Well, slash Zinfandel. So about, well, it was 2005 and we drove from Calgary down to Mendocino County in California. Wow. So we drove the 101 all the way down and we had like a freaking fantastic time. The one is that the seaside one? Or? Yeah, the seaside. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. I got amazing. a story about it. It was that. like it was amazing. And so we drove all the way down and one of the wines we liked to drink because we were kind of newbies then was the Simpendale. Yeah. And it yeah, but was, it doesn't matter if you're a newbie. Zinfandel could be good. It can be Not good, yeah. But it was just because we were newbies, so we would drink the Zinfandel, and we just loved it. And the name of the place I'm drawing it. Oh, Fetzer. So okay, we're in Mendocino County, and we're like touring all the wineries along there. Um, we brought home cases of wine. It was like a fantastic trip. So we pull up, and we're like, I'm like, holy shit, Jeff! It says Fetzer. And so we pull into Fetzer and it's like 38 degrees. Um, and when you're on the 101, like the coast side could be like 15 degrees. And then you drive inland only a couple of kilometers and it could be like 30, 40 degrees. 100%. It's, ama- it's amazing, yeah. right? Yeah. So we drive in, it's hot as heck. The sun is kind of coming down and we pull into Fetzer and this like Jeff and I talk, tell the same story. So this beautiful blonde woman comes out. She like parts all of these flowers, vines that are on these arbors as you kind of walk into the tasting room. And she hands us each a glass of this Zinfandel Fetzer that we've been drinking for years. <laughs> At wow. Fetzer. Yeah. In this moment. And it's like misty and it's sunny and it's hot and there's like a bit of a breeze. Like it was one of those moments that it goes the down in our moment. journals. Yeah, it's the perfect, like it's a perfect moment. Yeah. 
that was our favorite, favorite Fetzer slash rosé like moment, like your guys's. I love it for sure. Where can people find you, Rod? Um, do you want Are my you address? A podcaster. <laughs> Yeah, give me your street address. Maybe um, I'll come by for a glass of your um, a very, very lovely bourbon, bourbon and scotch that I see on your thing. I so would you love have to. angels. Wait, you have no, angels. No, I don't. No, I don't. I've tried it. Angels Envy. I've tried yes. it. Yes. My favorite musician was going on about it. And uh, and then I tried to find it in Canada. You can't find it anywhere. You can't. It's not here. No, no, I know. There, but you can get it in certain places in the states. And I went to the states and I had Angels Envy bourbon. I know you said in Texas or someplace, right? I was in Houston, yeah, and it's incredible. Yeah, it's a bourbon that is aged in sherry casks, I think, and it's so good. Yes, it is. Yeah. And you know why they call it Angels Envy? No. Because the angels end. So, so what happens when they put the bourbon in the cast? They let oh, the angels for share. So yeah, that's why. So, okay, but go on. Okay, so are you with me on this? So <laughs> no, what happens I... is they put them in the cast and they sit in there. But because when they put them in, it's straight alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. And okay. half of it or all of it may evaporate. In the time it sits there. So they never know until they open it. So they called it Angel, Angel's Envy because the angels get the part that's yeah. missing. Yeah. I love that. It's beautiful. I love that story too. Yeah. How do they think of this shit, hey? It's perfect. I mean, like the angel shares, that's something that's been around for thousands of years. Like, mm. well, as long as as long as angels have been around, as long as we've been talking, yeah, as long as we've been talking about the mythical beings of angels, yes, yeah, only a thousands of years. Come on, it's been way yeah. longer than that. <laughs> You're right. Uh, but anyway, so uh, where can people find you? Okay, so are you a podcaster? I had a podcast that I did with my friend called the Canada 150 Project. He took yes. it off, and we're about to put it back online. Um, Under a new name. Well, no, we're going to keep it that podcast. We're going to keep it as the Canada 150 Project, and we're just going to put them back online uh, because we've had a lot of people say, well, we've had some people say not a lot. <laughs> I think people. it's amazing. So just kind of give give my listeners just your elevator 30-second intro of it. Sure. It was a podcast that we he asked me to do with him where he it was getting ready to be the, the 150th anniversary of Canada. And he wanted to do a podcast based on kind of like the unheard history of Canada. So we tried to do some deep dives on some things that you wouldn't necessarily hear about in social studies or history class. Mm. Uh, and we did, I can't remember how many episodes, like I, I have no idea how many episodes, but it was really fun. Like we did some very deep dives on certain things. And then we had some fun episodes. Like we would talk about big things, which was 
the biggest, you know how there's the biggest donut or the biggest Ukrainian egg and things yeah, like yeah. that. We would get yeah, into yeah. the history of why these towns did that. We did episodes on like how Canada was attacked by Japan with balloons, with bombs mm. on them. Uh, mm. We did cults, Brother 12. There was all sorts. Like it was really, I learned so much about Canada's history that you don't love that. necessarily hear about. Yeah. So I want to put it back up because right. it was really fascinating. Um, we're going to do another one. We we just don't know like what to do it on. Like we're trying to figure it out. Always we talk politically, but I don't necessarily want to get into too much of a political podcast. So we'll see. I mean, if it, 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 I mean, if you guys have strong opinions one way or the other, it makes it interesting. But every single episode might be a bit heavy. Yeah, it's. I think it would be interesting. We're two liberal guys who both. Well, I own a company, and he is working for a very big oil and gas company. And hmm. like uh, we uh, depend on oil and gas, but we're very liberal. So it's it's important, and I think a lot of people in Alberta feel the same way. But like, you know, there's a balance. Yeah, we're definitely feeling the crunch right now, for sure. Yeah. Our oil and gas industry. Okay. So anyway, uh, but on Instagram, I'm Rod Lachelt. We just started, my wife and I, this is Hmm. something that I, I hope it's not a shameless plug, but uh, my wife and I just started a company where we're, because Scotland is so important to us and. I was there to go look at this plot of land that we want to buy. And then I wanted to bring back Alicia something. So then I was at this gift shop and I saw this candle and I was like, Oh, I don't really know much about candles, but Alicia loves candles and this smells good. So I'll buy it for her. So I bought two of these candles and I brought them home and then she started lighting like burning one. And it just filled our house with this insane. It was so good or it is so good. So then like we ordered it a couple times online and it was, you know, importing or like bringing it from there. It was expensive. So then I just like reached out to the the company. Uh, so we we partnered with that company, and now we're bringing these candles in as uh, we're going to be the distributor for North America, and they are so good. And it's called Curidoon, which is a Scottish like term for just like cozying in getting comfy sitting oh, in front of the fun. fire with a drink and yeah. like a cozy night with a blanket and you're just cozy you feel good you're warm and happy and everything so we're starting that and it's going to be like it's i'm going to post about it on instagram and everything but that that's happening like yesterday so we're, cool. we're getting it okay that. and then we're going to start importing other like things like Sky Weavers, they do these really beautiful blankets with uh, Hebridean wool and everything. But like the whole point of that is is just to work with like not established companies, but it's like just uh, companies that it's like two or three people and they do it themselves. It's all handmade. It's eco-friendly, you know, things like that. That's great. Yeah. You're allowed to ask me one question since I'm the host. <laughs> if you have a question, you're welcome to ask me. What's your favorite place that you and your husband have traveled to? Mm, if we could go back, we'd go back to San Francisco. Oh, great. Love San Francisco. Yep. 
we love the food, we love the people, we love the laid backness of it. It's such a weird city. It is weird. It's like really, really rich and really, really not rich. Yeah, but the line between really, really rich and really, really poor is one block. And then like, you're walking. One, yeah, it's not just one block, but it's like you can't tell the people with money versus the people without money. There's that. Because they're kind of humble. Sure. They're yeah. kind of humble. That's true. Because mm-hmm. a lot of them are like, yeah, wealthy techies who, yeah. Yeah, well, like, like you could be, t-shirt. You could shop at a really expensive store and then walk one block and then there's all sorts of, like it's just extreme poverty and homelessness right there. Yes. Like it's all love, just so wild. San Francisco and the sushi yeah. there was so good. Yeah, the seafood's amazing. I love San Francisco. It's mm-hmm. great. Been to Mexico quite a few times. Lots of like we. I've been once. I know it wasn't friend. on your list. I was like, huh. I forgot it. Uh, but I went there with for my friend, my best friend, my podcast partner is a yeah. triathlete. Wow! Great. So, yeah, great for him. But um, like <laughs> he he did the Iron Man in uh, oh Cosmo my word, with some friends to watch him do it, and then like him in training, but us in party mode because we're in Mexico. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very difficult for him. I think. Nice okay. chatting with you. Yeah, that was really fun. I'm gonna yeah, I'll... very fun. All right, thank you. Kate, and say hi to your wife for me. I want to meet her one day. Okay, cool. You will. This is really fun. All right. Yeah, really fun. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, see ya. Bye. Wow, what an interview. Such a friendly guy, hey? We had such a great time. And since we originally recorded this episode in May, there's so much more that has happened in the world. And one of the major things for this episode is numerous places that Rod has visited on his few travels are no longer open or temporarily closed due to COVID. So many great restaurants haven't made it through this difficult time. And with more and more people learning to cook at home, this will likely continue. Here's a recap of the places, shows, and cookbooks Rod shared with us. The Three Chimneys, Isle of Skye in Scotland. There's a link. The Meaning of Michelin Stars. Ad hoc plus addendum restaurant in California. The French Laundry, Yuntville, California. Hayden Block, Calgary, Alberta. Mandy Lee, The Art of Escapism Cooking Book, A Survival Story, A Lady and Pups Cookbook. Mumufoku Group, David Chang, New York, Ugly Delicious Netflix Show, Global News Imagine Segment with the Celebrities Sing Along, Cooked Netflix Show. Flour, Water, Salt, Yeast, Cookbook. La Entrecote de Paris, in Paris, France. The Final Table, Netflix series, from a Calgary chef. Four Street Pizza, in Calgary, Alberta. 
Fourth Spot Kitchen and Bar in Calgary, Alberta. Captain's Boyle in Calgary, Alberta. Hell's Kitchen, Manhattan, New York location. La Paine Quotidienne, Manhattan, New York. Mendocino County, California Highways. Fetzer Winery, Old River Road, Hopeland, California. The Canada 150 Project Podcast. With the host, Rod LaSholt and his friend. One thing I do have to confess is we each recorded our sides of the conversation on our own mics as well as over Zoom. I, however, when it came to editing this show late in 2020, could not find my side of the recording. So I decided to use the Zoom voiceover. So the editing and processing was a bit of a feat with the online audio. Further links in my show notes are Rod's Instagram, which you should check out. Other shows similar to this one are Vegas Baby and When the Moon Hits Your Eye Like a Big Pizza Pie. Until next time, I'm Valerie from Studio 17. Visit ValerieMoss.ca for more information.